This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. Of course, sponsors for this week, we have Horror Movie Yearbook from the Midwest Podcast Network. Uh, they've very graciously been sponsoring us for a while now. Uh, they just recently did an episode on the Class of 89, where they talked about uh, uh, Wes Craven's Shocker. Uh, Pet Cemetery, which is like one of my... The the movie's good, but the, the novel's like maybe one of my favorite Stephen King novels. Oh my god, just that. Anyway, and they talk a bit about Stephen King as well, which obviously we're huge fans of. So uh, check that out at horrormovieyearbook.com uh, and at HM Yearbook. And thank you to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this week's episode once again. And uh, Tiny, how's it going? It's magnificent. Nice. Would you would you say that lately um, lately you've been you've it's been a little uh, it's, it's been a little rough for you. Yes, it's been appallingly rough. <laughs> nice. Would you would you say that um, 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 bark is your favorite part of a tree? I don't. I got nothing. As tired as a dog. There you go. You got a dog. <laughs> we got a dog. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Do you want to talk him. about him? Had him for a week. Yeah, we nice. can talk about him more next week. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's purebred Shih Tzu named Gizmo. Nice. Yep. I didn't know he was a purebred. Purebred. Pure as the driven snow. Nice. Just like cocaine. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> sure. But yeah, so Tiny, you got a, you got a dog. That's awesome. We got a dog. Little Gizmo. Nice. And, yep. we, and we will talk more about him and uh, about, obviously, about my little pizza roll. Yeah. Um, next week for a special episode. Um, I do want to mention that... Listener, listener, and friend of the show, Matt Andreco. Uh, first of all, he's a he's a dad. He's a father. That is amazing. Yeah. And uh, he actually messaged me today and confirmed that uh, they did not name the baby Groot. No, they uh, didn't. No, they went with a different name, which I I respect. Yeah. I totally respect. So that's that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I totally blame myself for not getting the episode out before the baby came. Yeah. So they didn't. Yeah. Name, I, I mean. Yeah, they didn't go with group, but Trash Panda is kind of a weird name. Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, to each their own, man. <laughs> go, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> um, that's stupid. That's anyway, dumb. anyway. So this week, Tiny, what are we doing? We are talking about the uh, latest documentary from Hulu mm-hmm. called Batman and Bill. We are, yes. This uh, documentary appeared on Hulu, and I don't know how I'm going to edit this episode, because after we record, uh, Fekus is going to come over for a special review of Alien Covenant, which I'm thinking I might throw at the beginning of this episode. So Cool. Yeah. Which I have not seen yet. Right, exactly. Didn't, didn't get a chance to see. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh before we do that, we, there is a couple there are a couple things I kind of want to touch on before we get to our review of Batman and Bill. First is that sadly uh Sir Roger Moore passed away. Um it was announced today. 
Yes, he did. Um, and yeah, and that is a bummer. Um, I was fond of the the Bond movies from of his that I saw. Like his interactions with uh, Q in the movies were always the high point for me. Totally. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he was like the longest running Bond. Um, I don't know off the top of my head how many he um, appeared in, but he was, you know, he was. He was definitely a, a very talented actor. He did five or six, I want to say. I believe so. He did. Yeah. I don't know. That's not a big deal. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a big deal. He's dead. Um, <laughs> well, no, I I remember. Uh, I was sitting here like, wow, is he that old? And then like I, because he was eighty three, I believe. Um, I want to say eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I remember thinking like, wow, is he that old? And then like. I thought about it, and I think the last Bond, the last time he played Bond, he was like 55. That sounds right. Hooking up with like 30-year-old chicks and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Oh, he was actually age 85 when his, uh, oh, he was, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He was the oldest person to debut as James Bond. He played, uh, he was 45 when his wow. first appearance was uh, was on. That's crazy. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Um. Oh, that would have been awesome. Anyway, um, so yeah, so do you have just off the cuff any like which one would be your favorite if you can pull up a list? Um, I think A View to a Kill was he in that? Was he the Bond in that one? I just had his. I thought he was. I want to say, I believe so. That may have been one of his later ones. I don't remember if I ever saw that one. Yeah. He was, uh, yeah, he was Bond. Okay. A View to a Kill. Yeah, that's my favorite Roger Moore uh, Bond movie. And I don't know why. <laughs> I think because the plot is just so silly. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's really goofy and it's Christopher Walken and. Oh, yeah. Christopher Walken and stuff. That's right. I think that's the next one that I was on to when I, when I was watching them. Because I have the Blu rays, but I just, I just fell off the. Uh, fell off of watching him. So I got about halfway through all of them. Um, yeah, I would say for my money. And this is such a, this is a weird, this is a weird choice. Um, but I've, and I've talked about it before, but Moonraker, I mean, yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. I just, I, I have such a soft spot for Moonraker just because it's, it's a seventies sci-fi spy movie. (laughs) It's, it's like, it's really, it's really pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So un- unfortunately, uh, you know, rest in peace, Roger Moore. Yep. And uh, I'll have to, I'll have to get back into watching the Bond movies. Yes. Um, for me sure. T- me too. Yeah. Um. Okay. And then let's see. Did we? Uh, we don't really need to talk about the emoji movie trailer, do we? No. No. Um, although I will say the Emoji Movie trailer, uh, it came out, it looks pretty... Eh, Standard. Pretty, yeah, yeah. I I hesitate to say that it looks terrible or it looks really bad, but it just seems like the the trailer seems like the type of thing that a studio puts together because they know that... Uh, that it basically seems to go off of a checklist of all the animated movies of the day. Yeah. So they have this property, they have this this pretty standard plot, it looks like. It kind of looks like an amalgam of Wreck-It Ralph and 
Inside Out. Um, and it just doesn't look like it has that much heart to it. I could be wrong, but Tiny, I kind of want us to review it specifically because I have like three or four puns lined up. So <laughs> be prepared for that. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, it looks very formulaic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to kind of breeze past news because I don't have anything else. And, um... Okay, guys, just breaking into this episode to transition you into my review of Alien Covenant with Fekus. Uh, we did not uh, record this in a... In a uh, linear fashion so it's a little it's a little bumpy here but um it'll be the non-spoiler review of alien covenant and then uh after that we'll have mine and tiny's uh review of batman and bill and then we'll have the uh potpourri and spoiler review for alien covenant after that uh check the show notes if you want to skip around for the timestamps and everything um, also, those are available at obsessiveviewer.com slash ov210. And uh, thank you guys for listening, and enjoy the review. You've all sacrificed so much to be here and be a part of this thing we're doing. This crew is made up of couples. It's the first ever large-scale colonization mission. And everyone back on Earth is really grateful for your hard work. Your courage. We're making history here. Okay, and I'm here with Fekus, uh, frequent Sweet. guest Fekus, and uh, uh, police officer extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. And, uh, yes, and uh, person that is has a gun and is mad that I'm not going to Vegas. Um, I've had some time to digest the news. I'm, good. I'm becoming less angry about it. Good. More just hurt now. Right. Well, I'm hurt every day. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so thank you for, you know, being here to review Alien Covenant, despite your newfound hatred for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do it for the fans. Yeah, yeah. All six of them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we're here today to talk about Alien Covenant. And uh, let's see, so... Let's begin by kind of talking about our relationship with the the franchise, the Alien franchise as a whole. Um, Fekus, I know that you're a big fan of Alien 3. Um, <laughs> Huge fan. <laughs> I actually heard a podcast where someone said, like they did... I. I it was the only episode of the podcast I listened to. I don't remember what podcast it was, but I remember they counted down their top five or top 25 sci-fi movies and two of them. It didn't seem like sarcasm. It didn't seem like anything like it seemed genuine that their number one was alien three. Oh my God. And, I just, may, may, and maybe I need to revisit it, but I just, it's an interesting concept mm-hmm. and I feel like, had Fox given Fincher the reins to do what he really wanted to do, it mm-hmm. probably would have been a stellar film. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it's okay. Yeah. I guess. And people are allowed to like it. Like, I sure. Mean, yeah. I, I would never. But the number one sci-fi movie for you, like your number one favorite sci-fi yeah, movie. Yeah, that's. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, hey, everyone has their own opinion. Mm-hmm. So more power to him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If Alien on a related 3... note, Sinead O'Connor is probably his favorite musician of all time. Sure, sure. Bald girls get it. 
Bald gotcha. girls. Okay. I, right. I gotcha. I'm right. I'm right there with you. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so what do you think of the franchise as a whole? There's Well, it, I mean, obviously it's, it has its ups and downs. Um, can't You can't talk about Alien being a bad movie because that's a, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing film. Uh, it's my favorite sci-fi horror film. Mm-hmm. Aliens is probably my favorite sci-fi action film, and I watch it on a regular basis. I think it's a near perfect film. Although I I watched it the other day, and just one <laughs> one line bothers me, and I don't okay. know why it bothers me so much. But it's at the end after Ripley has uh, knocked the queen out of the out of the airlock, and Bishop gives his not bad. For a human line, I'm like, ah, okay. I was like, that's that's a come on, stop. Sure, that, that's a bad. I, I hate that sure. line. But you know, Alien Three and Alien Four or Alien Resurrection, mm-hmm. uh, Alien Resurrection especially for me, I just it's just such a mediocre to poor film for me. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's, I feel like Alien Resurrection's campy. Yeah, and I think that's why I kind of I wouldn't in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I, okay, I'll put it between Alien 3, like, judge it against Alien 3, not Alien and Aliens, because that's just not fair. But Resurrection versus Alien 3, I prefer Resurrection because it's campy. I would probably prefer Alien 3 because there are some aspects of that film that I like. I like mm-hmm. the fact that you are kind of introduced to a different type of xenomorph that comes from the, the dog. Okay. Um, I, I like the idea of a penal planet. I think mm-hmm. that's a, a novel idea. Yeah. Uh, so there are some things to like about the movie, and it's a good setting. A penal planet mm-hmm. is kind of dark. It's gritty. It's a, it's a very good setting, especially for the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's got Tywin Lannister. It does have Tywin Lannister, mm-hmm. and it's got Rock. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Rock, the black guy. Uh, he was in a sitcom called uh, Rock on Fox. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. There you go. Okay. So, learn something new every day. Yeah. I, I've almost, like, I watched Alien Resurrection somewhat recently. I want to say okay. I probably watched it last year. It was on, like, HBO, and I was, sure. I was bored. And it just, it just really hit home that i dislike that movie okay uh so but maybe i need to go back and watch alien 3 uh, mm-hmm. and maybe see how it sits with me now because it, yeah. it my feelings might change i haven't seen alien 3 in probably well over a decade wow wow so, yeah so i, I should probably huh. give it another chance but alien resurrection it's just uh, i i don't know the campiness i i really hate the uh alien human hybrid at the end yeah the the almost sexualized nature of Ripley's relationship with the aliens, yeah. it, it's really weird to me, and I it did not hit home for me. That's fair. That's totally fair. And I haven't seen Alien Three or Resurrection in probably three to four years, um, and it's probably been uh, maybe five years. Um, I don't know, but and I've probably only seen them once or twice. Um, there are some things in Alien Resurrection that I did think were good concepts. Mm-hmm. Like I like the idea of them trying to clone Ripley to try to get a queen. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of an offshoot base studying the aliens. Although it, me, I'm sitting there going, well, of course these aliens are going to murder one of their own and, <laughs> and escape with their acid blood. They, right. Everyone knows that's what's going to happen. You know yeah. what's going to happen. It's a perfect organism. <laughs> <Yeah>. So... Uh, <laughs> But there, there was a couple of things I did 
think were unique. I, I like the underwater sequence. Yeah, I thought I th- that, that was that was pretty a fun, cool. neat sequence. But mm-hmm. other than that, man, there's there's just not a whole lot more I can pull from that movie that I can sure. say that I enjoyed. Okay, so uh, Alien versus Aliens. <laughs> you know, me and Peter, my brother, mm-hmm. have, are we watch these in the theaters, <laughs> and God, are they bad? Like, oh no, no, no! I'm saying Alien. No, I I didn't mean AVP. Oh no, okay. no, no, no! Okay, I meant Alien versus Aliens. Like, which movie? Oh, Desert we, Island. You can only pick one movie to watch for the rest of your life. Aliens. Okay. Uh, I think it's a better paced film. Sure. And I like the action orient orientation of mm-hmm. the of the movie. I, th- I think it's a lot of fun. It's just a great movie to me. I you know, uh, it's it's hard for me with in in that because alien like alien that's it's 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 damn near perfect it is um, no i'm not as a movie yeah, like i agree yeah and aliens i haven't seen aliens in in quite a while no, i watched it last um, week nice um yeah i got your snapchat yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> game over man yeah oh r.i.p yeah but um but uh, it Aliens just has more to it. Like there's so much more going on and so much more revealed. It is revealed. a busy film. Yeah. Oh but, yeah. But it also, like I said, it reveals a lot more of the lore. Like mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with the whole lore of the alien universe. Yeah. That's kind of probably my biggest draw. Mm-hmm. So it, you give me aliens and you expound on what's going on. You show me more of this, this creature and mm-hmm. how it, produces i i don't know i i love that aspect of it yeah i yeah i uh i definitely agree um and i don't know if you did you ever play the video game alien isolation i never did Wait, Man, is that on ps4 it's it or might be PS3? it was it was on playstation 3 but it might okay. be one of those you can play on playstation 4 but okay. i'll tell you what as far as that that's a better product than Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. It's fantastic. Okay. Like it does an amazing job of recreating the universe itself. It's terrifying. Nice. The, the game is seriously terrifying, and that's it's awesome. if you don't know, it follows the uh, it follows Ripley's daughter. Okay. And so she's gone off onto this uh, a little space adventure, and it kind of mm-hmm. dwells into why she goes out into uh, into uh, her career in space and. How they come into contact with the the xenomorph and it's it's fantastic. Like I, I loved every nice. second of that, and like I said, it's truly terrifying. And I really hope that I think it's canon, but I really hope that it is canon. Nice. I am buying it right now. Is it PlayStation Four? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're gonna want to pull your hair out on some areas too, because oh really? Yeah. Well, you'll you'll just get so pissed off because that <laughs> fucking alien's a dick. Yeah. She sure. is. But your the death scenes are amazing. Nice. Yeah, it's I love that game. That's awesome. Like I know I know guys that never finished it because they're a too freaked out by it or b too frustrated with it. But I powered through. That's awesome. It, and it's a great ending. It's a typical alien ending. So sweet. It's, yeah, it's it's great. Sweet. Well, it will be here on Thursday. There you go. Um. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, that Alien versus Predator movies. Um, I haven't seen either of those. Uh, don't. Yeah. Just don't. You know what? <laughs> the first Alien versus Predator. All right. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. It's a terrible movie, but you know, if you want to watch aliens go and kill predators, oh, cool. All mm-hmm. right, fine. 
then Alien versus Predator Requiem, it's just, it goes off the rails of horribleness. Like nothing about it. It becomes like a teen slasher flick in the middle of this nonsense. And it's, okay. you get an alien predator hybrid. Oh, come on. And it's, it, it's Ugh. terrible. Just, just don't. Okay. Okay. And they horribly try to set up a third one too at the end <laughs> because it, me and my brother make fun of the ending all the time. Like it ends at this, this corporate guy is walking down this like mm-hmm. fancy building hallway and he produces a briefcase with this alien technology or whatever. And, uh, this lady looks at it and he's like, but you and I both know this isn't of our world, is it? And then credits are all I'm like, oh, come oh, on. It's, uh, it's, it's terrible. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably never see those. Never movies. see them. Never. never see them. Um, I have way too many other things to watch. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Don't waste your time. Right. Um. So yeah. So that that brings us to Prometheus. Now, Prometheus is a movie that I think you and I were both pretty pretty positive on. Yeah. Um. um and I feel like we're in the minority. I. You know, I I go back and forth about that feeling because sometimes I do run into people that are like me that absolutely adored that film. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a perfect film because it's not. It's got its flaws. Mm -hmm. Um, But, again, it expounds on the whole universe, and I love that. I love the idea Mm -hmm. of the engineers. I love the mystery behind the creation of us Mm -hmm. and of this bioweapon. For me, there wasn't a whole lot in that movie to dislike. Now – a lot of things people like to bring up and I can't argue with are, you know, one of the biggest things is why is this biologist sticking his hand out and playing with yeah. this snake-like thing like it's yeah. a like it's a pet dog? Yeah, that that bothers me because that's right. You could have found a way better way to introduce. You could have had the, the goddamn thing just sneak up on the man and been better than him. Like, oh hey, pretty little kid. Absolutely. So yes, that that bothers the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, it's not enough to overshadow the for me the good points of the film. Yeah, the mythology of it is yes. is really the high point for me. Um, and people people shat on it because it's a kind of uh, I wouldn't say typical Damon Lindelof uh, script because he he worked on the script, but people were kind of shitty about it because it was so mysterious. And this was after this is. I mean, this was a while after Lost, but I think this is one of the first things that Damon Lindelof had his name attached to after Lost ended. And one of the big complaints about Lost is that it was too mysterious, too secretive, too uh, too vague. Um, and people, I think, kind of lampooned Prometheus for those same type of things or same, same reasons. Um, and I think that wasn't really fair to the movie because the movie was pretty... Like you said, they it did have those those specific problems, um, and those are indefensible. Um, like even um, um, the one guy just taking off his helmet, just I completely. I don't mind that part, really? and and this is why. He's not a biologist. Okay, he's not a geologist. He's a doctor of pretty much archaeology. Mm-hmm. So he's found this area where it looks like they're terraforming his computer readout says the air is breathable. He's an emotional person head, Mm -hmm. you know, diving head first into things to begin with that. I kind of get his character there. That doesn't bother me. Sure. Like had like they had some planetary 
expert coming. It's like, okay, yeah. then that, then I get it. Some atmospheric, uh, scientist, but sure. you know, if this is an archeologist that maybe just found the answers he's been looking for his whole life, he's right. got a computer readout that says the air is breathable. That part doesn't bother me. Okay. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. That's, that's fair. I still have, I still cringe a little bit whenever and, it comes And I up. get it. Yeah. But, the, and that's a good, that's a good defense of it. Um, I, well, yeah. another part that bothers me though is the geologist just gets super freaked out that they've just found this dead alien guy. He, he, he like, <laughs> he goes off the deep end, like, congratulations, I'm getting the fuck out of here. That's, I love yeah. rocks. Rocks are my passion. <laughs> I must leave. It's like, you're on an alien God. planet. You don't think that there was maybe a possibility yeah you know, to find alien life god uh, th- that part was just kind of like that that was eye rolling yeah me. and and that's fair that's fair but overall i think prometheus also the whole <laughs> so the whole like just run to the side run to the side you won't get crushed by a spaceship just run 20 feet to yeah. the left you're good um but whatever yeah, yeah. um but overall, I I enjoyed Prometheus. I thought that it was a when rewatching it, it's because it, it's it's not. I mean, it's not like a standard alien movie. Well, and that's why um, I liked it as well. I didn't want yeah. it to be a standard alien film. Right. I wanted to expand the universe, and for mm-hmm. me, it did that. Yeah. In fact, I I wanted to see a director's cut because there mm-hmm. are some deleted scenes in there. There's more extensive conversation between David and the engineer. Oh, and I re- like it was good conversation, and nice. I can't for the life of me understand why Ridley Scott cut those cut that. Yeah, that's a good point, and I'm surprised we haven't had some kind of director's cut. I mean, that seems I mean, very Ridley Scott to do yeah. a uh, director's cut. Yeah, so. I mean, Gladiator, The Martian, even yeah. didn't he do a director's cut of The Martian? I don't know if he did, but there's four yeah. freaking director's cuts for Blade Runner. Oh, right, yeah, wow, um, yeah. So going into Alien Covenant. Um, what were your expectations? Cause you knew Prometheus, you, you dug it. Um, you knew that it wasn't an alien movie, traditionally speaking. So going into alien covenant, did you expect more alien or how did you, how did you have your expectations going in? My expectations were quite a roller coaster with this. Um, when I, when I knew that they were going to make a sequel, I was extremely excited. Uh, because I wanted to see what's going to happen when Dr. Shaw and David get to the engineer's planet. I, that mm-hmm. was a storyline I was invested in. That's a storyline I wanted. Yeah. Um, then they released the title, mm-hmm. Alien Covenant. And then I kind of paused a bit because I'm like, are they making this an alien film now? Right. Because I don't want an alien film. Mm-hmm. I, I want them to move forward with this story. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I didn't get too uh, overly upset until I saw the preview. Then I saw the first trailer, mm-hmm. and to me, the first trailer made it look like this is an alien film. Yeah. And then, yeah, it looked like a good alien film, but mm-hmm. it's not the film that I wanted. Right. And so my expectations dropped. Okay. So going into it, I was still excited to see it. But not nearly as excited as I was hoping to be. This because I went into it thinking this is not the movie I want. Sure, okay. I went into it um, fairly excited because I mean the the trailers worked for me. I mean I enjoyed Prometheus, but I think that the idea of returning to an alien alien aesthetic 
um, would have worked was going to work in in the movie's favor because I thought it was yeah. moving towards the financial. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I thought it was, it was sure. for financial reasons. I, yeah. I thought, and that's that's definitely very possible. Like it's possible that they saw the feedback on Prometheus and said, "Hey, let's make let's make this next one more alien than anything." Like you can still do your whole little mythology building thing. Ridley, but maybe you know, throw in throw in some chestbursters. Yeah, gotta get some aliens in there. Now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I kind of, I don't know. I just I like that concept. Just you know, uh, this crazy, scary alien organism killing off people. That's sure, a cool concept. Sure, it's so, but it, yeah. it was a concept that I'd seen. Sure, and that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, but I was still excited nonetheless. And the idea that it was a, a civilization ship and uh, knowing that it was a lot like the crew was paired up as as couples, couples like I thought that, that was a clever. I loved the premise. casting with it, like yeah. going into it before seeing the film. I was a huge fan of the cast mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Confused by James Franco's. Yeah, uh, we can talk about that. Yeah, right, that was Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but but the cast yeah. itself, I, I was I thought it was it was a great group uh, for the movie. Yeah, but. same here. Um, so, what were your overall thoughts on Alien Covenant? We're going to do a standard non-spoiler review, and then we'll dive into a full spoiler review that I'll put uh, later in the episode. So, what were your overall feelings on Alien Covenant as a movie? I absolutely loved it. I walked nice. out of there and. It ended up being exactly the movie that I wanted. That's awesome. Yeah. And we'll we'll go into why it was mm-hmm. for me. But yeah, I walked out of there just completely satisfied. I thought it was okay. fantastic. I thought it was a great mix of expansion of the universe and uh getting the xenomorph back into it. Mm-hmm. And I even like the uh the neomorph as it was called. Yeah, uh, I thought that was that was a fun addition to the mm. uh, to the xenomorph mythology. Right, but yeah, I just again, it's it, it's not a perfect film, and mm. I have issues with a couple of things. One of the one of my major gripes was that I I didn't feel like we got a feel for the crew as well as we did in Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like most of the crew were were xenomorph bait, mm-hmm. but for the characters that did stand out, they stood out for me in a huge way. Okay. And yeah, I, I walked out of there just loving the film. Sure. Uh yeah. So I I came out of the movie not necessarily loving it. Um I kind of came across from it or came out came out of it thinking this was a pretty a pretty damn good movie. I wouldn't say that I loved it. Um I'll own it. I'll I'll definitely buy it. Um if only to complete my collection. I can't because also I feel like I can't own Alien Three and Alien Resurrection and not own like Alien Covenant, like because it's clearly a much better movie than right. those two. Um, I don't own Alien Three and Alien uh, Resurrection, and as much as I dog those movies, part of me wants to buy them because <laughs> for that reason. Fair. Yeah, I mean, oh my god, the uh, Alien Anthology box set is like the best blu-ray box set i've ever had because like it has so many different special features like they have like feature length documentaries for each movie and it's just it's really remarkable yeah, um, yeah like the like 
the Alien Three one, uh, the behind the scenes footage and documentary and stuff, like it's like it was made uh, with enough time has passed from it that they can talk completely candidly about the production. It's like it's really amazing. Oh yeah, I'll yeah. Have to pick that up. Then. Yeah, it's it's worth it for as shitty a movie as that is. It's worth it. Um, but anyway, uh, back to Alien um, Covenant. back to Alien Covenant. Um, yeah, and I I liked it for the. I liked it overall. I had a good time with it. I was it was intense. The the alien scenes were really cool. They were really well done. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Really remarkable. Uh, the neomorph was was pretty pretty badass. Um, we've and we got. I mean, we got pretty much everything we want out of, or at least I want out of an alien movie in this movie. Um, at least what I'm looking for out of an alien. See, I, I didn't really, I still did not think it was an alien film to me. I feel okay. like you could have called that something else and it been perfectly fine not being an alien film. I really don't think that the alien was the driving force of this film to me. I still think sure. it was the concepts behind, uh, well, not to get spoilery, but right. kind of, kind of the motivations mm-hmm. behind some of the characters. To me, that was the major, Mark, or that was the biggest point for me for the movie, not and was the alien to me. I thought the alien was uh, kind of a side side character, and that's fair. And yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. And I had some qualms with some aspects of it. We'll talk more about that in spoilers for sure. But um, I do agree with you that the that the crew were um, the crew were expendable. They're fodder. Yeah, yeah I mean, in, like there's a scene in the trailer. Um, the, the shower scene in the trailer, right? when it comes up in the movie, I'm like, I, I don't even know who these people are. No, you don't. Yeah. You, you, you like, definitely don't. Yeah. I, I don't know the names of the fodder. Yeah. Me neither. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a bummer because like, like think back to alien, like alien has that, uh, that, uh, that dinner scene not the dinner scene not the right, scene right, but like the group scene where they're eating they're talking they're talking about their, they, they've just the come money out of and Ka- stuff. Ka- uh, yeah. Cairo Ka- Ka- they're just coming out of Cairo Egypt <laughs> right Cairo wait, wait. <laughs> cryo cryo Jesus, yeah why can't I say that word <laughs> and they cryo. have that like um, like that's one of the best things about that movie is just the the economy of the script like they throw so many characters at us so many um motivations they develop all of the characters all in this one thing and you get the sense that they're you know they're a functioning crew and they're together we don't get hardly any of that in well, this movie and, but it's funny because you do it's just mm-hmm. not in the movie it was in one of yeah. the uh, scenes that they released before the movie That's which true. should have been in the movie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Cuz that would that was a good scene. You mm-hmm. start to get a feel for the characters that are going on this journey before they go into cryo. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I, I it, it boggles my mind why that scene mm-hmm. cuz it wasn't a long movie. I think it was right yeah. at 2 hours. It, yeah. Uh, why 2 not, hours and a little bit of change. Yeah, put it on 5 minute extra scene where you get to know yeah. some of the characters a little bit more and boom. I, yeah. I just it, it's weird to me that they did not put that in the film. That they put it as like here's a uh, pre-scene, I yeah. guess, for the movie. Yeah, I totally agree. And like that, and it, I mean, it worked as a, as a scene, but also like if that was in the movie, I would want it to be expanded on a little bit more. Right, but right, exactly. It was just, yeah, like yeah. when you have that as a kind of promotional material for the movie, it's just, it kind of comes off a little wonky. Right. And then they put, and that's where James Franco was in. Yeah. And, and then 
you know, to to be fair, the scene that he was in in the the movie, I mean, he was straight fire in that scene, man. <laughs> oh, oh god. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm going to climb us out of this and and talk about his other scene that he had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, and like and that's such a weird. Well, and I kind of wonder if maybe that's meant to be I don't know. I haven't read anything about the movie, but I wonder if his character is supposed to be developed further because I heard that the next movie is supposed to be a prequel. Uh, um, really? You heard yeah. that? Uh, from what I heard, That's it's... not what I heard. Really? I heard that it's going to come up to the beginning of Alien. Yeah. Well, what I heard was that Ridley Scott said that uh, that if if Covenant's successful, which I don't think it was uh, that successful. I think it made 36 mil. Yeah. Oh, that hurts. Foreign that markets, hurts. though. Come on, foreign markets. Yeah. Let's pull oh, this definitely. through. Um, but I think what he said was that if it's successful, uh, they'll have two or three more. See, I... That will lead up to the rear end of Alien. I read it's supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. I know that was how it was like when Prometheus came out. So I, I don't know um, if that's changed, but I yeah. thought I was under the impression that it was still supposed to be billed as a trilogy. Okay. Cause, cause he had kind of slipped. I don't know if slipped is the right word, but he said that, uh, he said, so chronologically it'll go Prometheus, alien awakening and alien covenant. Really? So kind of dropped like the, the next movie's name is going to be awakening and it's going to be set before covenant. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, that's all conjecture and everything. Yeah. So we'll know more in a few years probably. But um, yeah, so that was a big issue for me. It was just the lack of characterization for the for the crew members and the, the fodder for the yeah. aliens. And, and um, I'm 100% behind you yeah. with that. 100% agree. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily ruined the movie for me. It probably kept me from loving the movie because, I mean, if they would have had more – if I if – I, cared more about those characters i would have been more invested but the the strengths of the movie lie in um the interactions um between certain characters yeah <laughs> that we should probably just talk about that in spoilers um the mythology building and the in the development of the whole mythos and everything um the way that that's uh, developed in the movie is is really pretty good uh, save for one gripe i have about it that we'll talk about in spoilers um, let's see. Danny McBride. Great. I thought he did an amazing job. I normally, I can't really, I don't know if I would say I can't stand the guy, but like his comedy, I just, whenever I see him and like, I liked him in, um, uh, this is the end. Oh, yeah. the, uh, is that the name of the movie? No. Yeah. Is it? No, is it, it's, uh, the, no, it's, this is, is the it, end. This is the end. I think so. Yeah. He's great in that. Uh, he's, he's great in it, but like that style, like that style of comedy is like, that's like, it feels like that's all he does. So well, seeing I mean, you him. Do what you're good at. I, yeah. I, I, I love Danny McBride. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. And see, but. and I think that that style of comedy is just, is just doesn't speak to me. Like I just, I'm just not a fan of it. But seeing him in this movie playing like a serious role, but still like a slight comic relief, but still grounded in, in the situation and everything. Like he did a fantastic job. Like his, like his big yeah. scene. Oh, I, yeah amazing yeah oh yeah um oh, and he was he was fantastic he was really fantastic and that makes me really eager for uh what he's going to do with uh halloween 
I forgot about year. that. Yeah, yeah, him and oh, I can't remember the other guy that they're making it. But um, but yeah, I'm really I'm looking forward to that. And I I mean, I don't know, just like it's it's fun to see a role being taken by uh by an actor that I'm not too not too hot on and see him turn just a really great performance. I, I I'm I relish those experiences yeah, and I, I, agree. I really liked when that. you don't expect somebody to do something like that and they come out and they knock it all the ballpark, it's always yeah. It's very satisfying. Oh yeah. Um so that that was one of the movie's strengths for me as well. Um I mean we can kind of dance around some more or we can go into spoilers. I'll just say um, this Michael Fassbender, yes, was amazing. Yes, he um, was. I feel like it would be a grave injustice if he's not nominated for a supporting role. Interesting. I, huh. I well, the performance he had to do without spoiling anything right. was spot on mm-hmm. and just unbelievable. To yeah. Me. Absolutely. Um, no chance in hell he'll get any nomination. No, no, I <laughs> Just, agree. Yeah, yeah I, but, uh, I 100% agree. Yeah. But. The the level of of the quality of his performance, I, I'm i right there with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Ah, that was so, that was good. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, should we just give kind of overall thoughts, reiterate overall thoughts, and then go yeah, to spoilers? Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, so overall, um, where would you rank this in the in the alien franchise i would probably put it third at this point for me i think for me it would go aliens alien and then alien covenant okay prometheus underneath nice and i I'll, and that's and that's a hard call for me yeah. the only reason i say that is because it really expands mm-hmm. the mythos of the universe for me nice um i would probably keep mine the same as yours except probably uh switch alien and yeah. aliens Pending an Aliens rewatch, um, and then pending a Prometheus rewatch, I'd probably still keep Covenant uh, third in line there. That um, honestly, though, that order could change if they did a director's cut of Prometheus. And, yeah, like it very well could change my perception of that sure. order. It really could. So. Yeah, absolutely. But who knows? It's yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've. Prometheus and, and Covenant might be interchangeable with me too. It's more of a like what mood I'm in. Yeah, very, very well could be. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of genius of the of the first two movies at least is that like it is very much like what mood you're in, and it's it's great that the like Alien is a horror movie and Aliens is just a pretty much a straight up action yeah, movie, action suspense. Yeah, it's like it's that's what makes it such a great. Um, uh, franchise for me. Yeah, it's very. Uh, uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Aliany. It's, it's <laughs> such an aliany franchise. <laughs> it's a, such a diverse franchise. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so uh, I I dug it and uh, I'll own it and uh, I'll see it again for sure. Um, up next is my review with Tiny of the Hulu documentary Batman and Bill. If you want to skip past that and go to the spoiler section or spoiler review of Alien Covenant, you can just jump over to the 1 hour, 11 minute, 53 second mark. Thank you and enjoy. And uh, yeah, and we were kind of short on time. So Tiny, Batman and Bill. Yes. Um, We've both watched the documentary. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk a little bit about our knowledge of 
the story of, of Bill Finger and the creation of Batman uh, prior to watching the documentary. Um, what did you know going into the documentary about the history of, of the creation of Batman? I, I knew literally nothing. I mean, all, all I knew is that it started out in Detective Comics, uh, started in like the 30s. Mm-hmm. And then it was created by Bob Kane. I had never heard of Bill Finger, even after seeing um, Batman vs Superman: Dawn Justice, mm-hmm. um, where you know he was credited for the first time. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't I didn't pick up on that. I guess I, I didn't realize. I don't know. I, I never realized that um, there was an uncredited co-creator of Batman. I never knew that. And so, he, he, like I said, even seeing it, I was I, that didn't like ring any. It didn't like it wasn't noteworthy to me when I saw that in the credits for, for that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was, I'm glad they made the documentary cause I didn't know anything about it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of the same, uh, for me. So I, let's see. So I had seen when, when I saw the Lego Batman movie, that's when I first saw Bill Finger's name in the credits. And it's weird. Cause I, I didn't notice it when it was in the Batman V Superman credits. Cause um, oh, there was another piece of news that we could have talked about. Crap. Uh, eh. Anyway, um, <coughs> I noticed it in, in the, the credits to the Lego Batman movie and I didn't notice it in the Batman v Superman credits for whatever reason, but I kind of found myself very curious about it, um, after seeing Lego Batman and I didn't look into it that much or anything, um, cause I just forgot. <laughs> um, and then I found this documentary on uh, on Hulu, and I was I was a uh, pretty pretty um, impressed with the story of it. Is how is how I'd say that it's very it's a very interesting story. So if you have the capabilities to go onto um, Hulu and check out this documentary, just for the mere fact of it being a an interesting story, I would uh, definitely recommend checking it out. Um, so. How should we handle this, Tiny? Because it's a documentary, so we can either go with the content of it or the per, the presentation of it as a documentary. Do you want to go content first? Yeah, content's good. Okay, yeah. sure. Well, so, what did you think of the of the story without giving too many spoilers? Yeah, well, it, I I love the story first of all, just because it's it's kind of one of those. Um, it's a good example of like the truth being stranger than fiction, kind of, because mm-hmm. um, it seems so so unlikely that such a popular property mm-hmm. would would have this kind of copyright trademark legal issue um be- because it's so big i mean if it's just you know if this was some small property that wasn't uh profitable you know mm-hmm. um then then i can understand this happening but it's batman you know it's been around for three quarters of a century. Yeah. And, um, they demonstrate throughout the documentary how, you know, how ubiquitous this brand, the brand of Batman is. It's not mm-hmm. just comics anymore. It's movies. The video games are wicked popular. Yeah. Toys and merchandise out the wazoo, TV shows. I mean, it's just, it's huge. Um, when I think of big brands, I think of like Star Wars and stuff, mm-hmm. but this, I, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't stick out to me in that regard, but they did a good job of driving home the point of how huge this, this franchise or how, how big the brand is really. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's just a remarkable story that that something like this happened. And uh, it was, it was done through 
such i would say like kind of nefarious means really mm-hmm. um bob kane kind of keeping it under wraps um and and denying the truth for so long uh, up until his death almost mm-hmm. so yeah the the story is really just remarkable and and the 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 man who really uncovered this or really ma- made this put the spotlight on the story uh mm-hmm. mark nobleman who uh he's kind of the main talking head throughout the movie yeah he wrote a wrote a book about it and and did all the did a lot of the research uh for the doc for the book and the documentary um he talked about how it's just a really incredible story mm-hmm. i mean at, at the end of the day um if you remove all the, the the moral ineptitude and all of the um the the legal stuff it's it's really just an incredible story so yeah it, it's it's a story that needed to be told and i'm really glad someone made it i agree it uh yeah I'll, I'll echo a lot of those sentiments that it is it's fascinating to me that this is as you said it's it's a story that went untold for decades and decades and decades um and it's fascinating to me because as like i mentioned this um both in the facebook group a while like months ago and also on the podcast that um Recently, I've gotten into kind of the Batman mythos, and I've been reading the comics, I've been playing the games, I've been really kind of digging into the Batman mythos as well as the whole Bat family of characters, and uh, also Batman the Animated Series. I've been really digging into it, and what's fascinating to me, what I what it comes what comes back to me every time I watch or read or experience some kind of media. Um, to which Batman is is the subject of, um, I'm just blown away by just how, like you said, how ubiquitous this property is, this character and this I, this symbol um, is so iconic through it. Like I can't think of something that is so that is so so heavily um, entrenched in our pop culture, and to think that there is someone who basically created it created so many different things about it who was completely uncredited swept completely under the rug um throughout the majority of this of like you said for almost a century it's uh it's really it's really heartbreaking at times and really uh um really fascinating to me as a as a subject matter so i was really excited to learn more about it and i guess we can go into the presentation of it in the documentary how did you feel about how they how they told the story and how they presented it to the audience uh i enjoyed it quite a bit um i i think it's very easy for uh documentaries to really fall into the whole just you know talking head thing mm-hmm. um and, and i think that's good you need some talking heads and that's it's 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 how you get the truth, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's the truth part of the story, um, but I think the where the style really comes through is how you choose to present the rest of the information. And I really appreciated what they did with this documentary because they kind of um, they basically created a comic book. Um, yeah. And and instead of having goofy reenactments or just kind of inserting pictures or stock mm-hmm. footage here and there, which there's some of that too, but yeah. instead of relying entirely on that. They essentially created like a a moving comic strip or a cartoon sort of, mm-hmm. um, and like a it looked comic or right, yeah. yeah, and it just it looked really cool, and, and I I appreciated, um, I appreciated the the art of that. Mm-hmm. It made it made these people. It brought some of these people to life. Some of these people have passed away, and there's not a lot of 
recordings or video of these people. So to have them brought to life, Mm -hmm. um, again, the story is the central part of this documentary. So it, it didn't just turn them into, um, a picture or, you know, just like a name on a page. Like it really brought these people to life and almost made them a character. Um, and that really, that just really was touching. I mean, there's some very dramatic parts to the story and like I got choked up throughout it a handful of times. And I, mm-hmm. I think that the comic they made or the cartoons they made really, really drove that home and, and, and tapped into the emotional side of the story. I agree completely. The, the way that the motion comic or what have you is utilized and that kind of narrative structure is utilized. Like there are some very pivotal moments to the story that they're telling that is told to us by voiceover by the, by the subject of the documentary or, or the researcher. And it's just told visually through that motion comic. And it's just, it's really heartbreaking. And like, it's, there are parts where it's heartbreaking. There's parts that are super warm um, about it. And what I like is that they didn't use that technique too much. Cause like you said, they incorporated um, some stock uh, footage and some audio from um, some of uh, Bob Kane's uh, interviews and, and what have you. Um, so there is a good, a good spread of different, um, different types of uh, uh, narrative devices uh, to tell the story. And I just think they did a really great job of economically parsing them out and, and pacing it, uh, putting it together in a way that paces the paces, the story pretty well. Um, I did have a couple issues that I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know. We can, we can talk about them if you want. Um, yeah, I'm curious. yeah. So like I say that it was paced well because of the way that it used different types of, uh, techniques and, and to tell the story and everything. And yeah, it, it was paced pretty well. However, um, I kind of got the sense or I kind of got the feeling probably mm, maybe a little bit over halfway through. I kept thinking that first of all, it kind of got under my skin a little bit. Um, how much the documentary itself was focused on Mark Nobleman as someone who is researching the story and researching Bill Finger, which I understand you need that. You definitely need to know the journey that this writer went through to, to uncover what, uh, to uncover the truth and, and write this colossal wrong. You need that. You need that. But I don't feel like you need the talking head of like his wife saying like, Oh, he's such a great man and he's done all this and everything. It's like, it's, it feels a little, I don't know if I would say self-serving, but it feels kind of, I guess self-serving is, is the close enough word. It just felt like it felt like kind of patting themselves on the back, which mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a great thing that was accomplished with, with his research and everything, but it's also like, he's not, I feel like the, I don't know. I feel like on one hand that, um, it takes away from the focus of the documentary being about Bill Finger. Yes. Um, for sure. But on the other hand, I can see them not having a lot, to to kind of run with because there isn't a lot of information about Bill Finger, so maybe they needed to do that. Did you did you get a sense of that? Did you um, how did you feel about the kind of focus on on Mark Nobleman? Absolutely, I I totally agree with that. I um I I felt like I think using the phrase stealing the limelight is a little bit harsh, mm-hmm. but I think like he got a little bit more limelight than maybe he needed to. I guess mm-hmm. to tell the story the right way. Um, 
so I, I, I definitely detected that as well. I, nice. I totally did. I totally Batman detected that. You know, <laughs> Detective Comics number 21. God. I don't know. Anyways, um, I, I totally picked up on that. And it it did bother me a little bit. But I mm-hmm. think what it did is it kind of... It, w- it was a story within that story. Mm-hmm. And I think that in, in and of itself was pretty interesting. Because uh, Mark Nobleman had like nothing to go on. Right. And he literally Batmaned this shit. I mean, he, he like... Did. He looked through like telephone books mm-hmm. and shit for like hours. He yeah. spent like... He spent like probably months out of his life mm-hmm. researching this. And so I think he deserves... Um, a lot of notoriety for what he did mm-hmm. without question. Um, but, but, but you, you're definitely right. I feel like, and, and given that there's not a lot of information out there about Bill Finger and like in the years, this guy that, that Mark Nobleman researched this, mm-hmm. he found like 15 pictures of the guy. I mean, and that's right. it. I mean, yeah. and he has like his family's, a lot of his family is gone and stuff like that. So it's like, there was just so little. He he was like ecstatic when he found one recording mm-hmm. that yeah. of of Bill Finger, and it's like, you know, he had so little to go on that I can understand why he was so integral to telling the story. Yeah, and, so. it, and it did lay the groundwork really well for like that last third of the documentary. That's all about um, the fight to get the credit. Right. Um, like it, it laid the groundwork really well. And when you get to the point where there's a turning point in the documentary where you realize that, um, uh, something happens that, that the fruits of his labor of, of detective work, <laughs> uh, pays off in a pretty significant way. And like you, like you get, like you get that, how impactful that is both to him as, as the researcher and to the story of Bill Finger getting credit for Batman. Yeah. Like you, it really, it really hits home in that way. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of needed. It was, it was needed to, uh, to do that, but I just feel like it was overdone just a little bit for me though, the way that it focused on, Mm -hmm. on Mark Nobleman. Yeah, I totally get that. I, um, I thought it was kind of, um, I thought it was really fascinating how, you know, how much it consumed Mark Nobleman's life though. I thought it was, I appreciated the aspect, that aspect of the story. Um, there's a particularly noteworthy part where he's, uh, he has like a home video of his daughter and he's like talking like, Hey, what does daddy do for work? And his daughter, who's probably like four or five in the video is like Bill Finger, like his five, five year old daughter knows who Bill Finger is. Like it's so, it was like part of their upbringing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's really impressive. Uh, and his daughter comes up later again in the documentary in a pretty touching part. Yeah. Touching moment. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like it it totally could have been, it's, it was totally a little bit distracting. I, I I completely agree with that. But, uh, I ended up loving that story within the story quite Mm -hmm. a bit. So, um, they could have structured it a little better, paced it a little bit differently, edit it differently, maybe to make it less, uh, Less thievish, I guess, of the limelight. Yeah, yeah, it was. But but ultimately, I I appreciated it. I think. Okay, sure, that's fair. Yeah. Um. So, what do you think of the stuff that they told about Bill Finger? Like, as a as a as a subject, did you get a sense of who this person was? Because there isn't that much about him. There isn't much of a legacy to to him as a as a person, right? Um. How did you feel that they kind of brought out that that story of his of his life and his life's work i feel like they encapsulated the guy as well as he possibly could mm-hmm. um 
it seems to me based on this documentary it seems to me like bill finger is a very he was a very he was very typical as a creative type mm-hmm. in the respect that he was a bit uh he was a bit of an introvert mm-hmm. and he wasn't he wasn't after fame he wasn't you know obviously he wanted to make a living um but he wasn't he didn't want to be famous he wanted to make good art mm-hmm. and and that's the difference and i think they 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 encapsulated that well about Bill Finger, and I think part of one of the best ways they did that is they used Bob Kane as an example because mm-hmm. Bob Kane was the exact opposite of that. Right, he was all about making the money, mm-hmm. and he totally fed off of his his celebrity status. He mm-hmm. loved being famous. They showed him at you know like the premiere of the original Batman movie, yeah. uh, uh, the Michael Keaton one, mm-hmm. and he like wore a cape. And like a yeah. long black limousine, and like he totally ate that shit up, and mm-hmm. that's not a typical comic book artist, and right, it's it's so inter- it's so fitting that he is that way because he's not a typical comic book artist, right? Um, he's he's uh, imposter is too strong of a word, but he's. Um, but he's a bit of a thief or you know just kind yeah. of a, a credit stealer um yeah and so so i think i think i i love the way they juxtapose those two people and i think bob kane's example uh helped round out the quote-unquote character of who bill finger was mm-hmm. because there's so little of him that we that we really know about yeah and and i and i agree in the stuff that they that was uncovered about Bill Finger and about um, his life. Like uh, there's a part where it goes into where he ended up, I guess. Um, yeah. That's just so like, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, mm-hmm. it's really heartbreaking the the way that his story un- unfolded. And it's just, it's that really got to me. Um, and my next question for you was going to be how you felt about the representation of Bob Kane in it, because it's a tricky, it's a tricky subject to really take it to tackle in a documentary form because a lot of people that are involved with it are dead. Um, yeah, yeah. so you can't really, it's, it's really tricky to showcase Bob, Bob Kane as, as a villain type or, right. or it's, or it's easy to, to do that. Um, and it's 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 a it's a tricky thing to it's it's a tightrope to walk. Right. Um, and I feel like they did a pretty good job of of walking that tightrope because they I mean they they didn't shy away from Bob Kane being this kind of uh, villainous character that's just not taking not giving credit to the actual creator. And he's uh, they show some um, examples of how he fabricated something or potentially fabricated yeah uh some things to make it look like he truly did create batman um and then in and yeah like they could just they could have just made it a a uh made bob kane a target of the documentary and everything but something that i appreciated was how they kind of went kind of an extra mile and they showed like where like the one instance of bob kane like admitting to bill finger admitting that bill finger is uh, responsible for a lot of it. And they really kind of, kind of posthumously gave him not really an out, but kind of, kind of showed that Bob Kane was, 
Oh, I don't know. I don't know if they really showed him as a lucky, compassionate person because it was kind of like really late that he, uh, that he said anything, like acknowledged anything about Bill Finger. But they helped him save a little bit of face. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, um, which I, I respected as, mm-hmm. um, in terms of presenting a documentary and yeah. presenting a subject. I thought that was a, that was a good route to go right. without making it just a huge hit piece. Yeah. Throughout a lot of the movie, I was just, I was just thinking like Bob Kane's a dick. Yeah. Like I, I was, he's a dick Grayson. <laughs> uh, hey, the reference. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was thinking that, mm-hmm. but pretty remarkably, in my opinion, uh, Mark Nobleman, Never like came out and was just like, yeah, he's he's an a hole. Right. He totally screwed him over. He sucks. Yeah. I'm glad he's dead. Like he never said any of that stuff. Like that never happened to, to, to his credit. I think. And there are even some moments where he was willing to look at a look at something objectively. You know, to where mm-hmm. it could like the, the thing you were talking about where. Bob Kane kind of fabricated some stuff. Yeah. He was like, you know, I, I don't know if that was real or not, or he kind of, he had a, a somewhat objective approach to that. Yeah. When he really, by by all rights, did not need to. Right. So I think, I think, I think they did kind of cast Bob Kane in a negative light a little bit, uh, but they could have done a way worse job. They could have smeared yeah. the crap out of Bob Kane. Oh yeah, and 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 to to the credit of a lot of the talking heads involved in this documentary, a lot of them did not shit all over Bob Kane. Right. It, or if they did, they didn't put it in the documentary. Right. <laughs> um. So I think that was a that was very noble of them mm-hmm. to do that. It was very noble, man. Yeah. Um. <laughs> sorry. Um, how do you feel about the kind of the third act of the of the documentary, or the the last uh, third of the movie, essentially, where it was about the I don't want to give too much away, but about the the fight to get credit for Bill F- for Bill Finger. How did you feel about that and the way that they transitioned to that story? I, I really enjoyed that as well. I, I think one of the coolest things about this is that there are so many stories within these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of the documentary is they have to. And in order to make legal progress, there needs to be an, a quote unquote heir to mm-hmm. to Bill Finger, and for for all this to work out, because the money has to go somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and so there has to be an heir. And so part of part of the documentary is, is them just trying to find surviving members of his family mm-hmm. or someone who could qualify as an heir. And like that's a story within this story, and it's that's fascinating trying to track oh, yeah. down someone's progeny or or you know someone's offspring and. It's it's. I found that stuff really interesting. It's detective work. It's a Batman. Yeah. They're Batmaning. Oh yeah, Batmaning. <laughs> um, and the payoff to yes to that is just wonderful. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's and it's it's funny to me because it's like it's so blatantly obvious like mm-hmm. that that Bob Kane and the people at DC Comics were just like totally just like stealing the credit for this shit like yeah or completely i'll put it this way they were completely denying credit yeah to for 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 a really dumb like no no good reason really yeah there's no good reason for it like dc warner brothers time warner would not be out much money or Mm -hmm. anything by giving credit to bill finger right and legally 
Bill Finger and his family had every right to that credit and, Mm -hmm. you know, money essentially over the last 75 years uh, for Batman. And it was just such an obvious thing that it's like, this shouldn't be a story. Right. But it is. Kind of the whole reason why Warner Brothers and and all the the corporation behind it uh, didn't like want to. It's, It's not that they didn't want to give credit or didn't it was more that they just didn't want to acknowledge that to open themselves up to something that's that's very that they couldn't keep swept under the rug and it goes back so far too yeah like it's something that's credit should have been given due Mm -hmm. for the last 40 years or 50 years or 70 years yeah and they hadn't so it's kind of like well if we admit it now we're kind of making ourselves look like dicks for the last right. 50 years or whatever. So yeah. that was all, that also blew me away about the story. Uh, just to bring it up really quickly is that, um, I, I think it's a credit to the character of Bill Finger that mm-hmm. for so long, th- this guy was just, he was a true artist because for so long he went uncredited, knowingly uncredited. Like he, right. he collaborated with Bob Kane for mm-hmm. like decades. It's, yeah. it's not like, it's not like he helped Bob Kane create the character one day and then everything took off. No, he like right. wrote stories for decades yeah. for for Batman. And it's just like it's incredible that he didn't it, it like I said it's it speaks volumes to his character that he didn't pursue the legal the legal aspects of this or the mm-hmm. credit aspects of this because the dude was just an artist, and right. he was a writer who wanted to tell cool stories. Yeah, and I think that goes back to you saying that he is like the creative person who, right. probably like an introvert that just didn't want to be bothered with mm-hmm. it. And um, he continued to write stories for mm-hmm. other stuff too. Um, you yeah. know, decades after he had gotten screwed over by mm-hmm. Bob Kane in DC, he wrote an episode of uh, the animated series. Um, right? It was the 1966 series. Was it the series? Okay. Yeah, that was the only. That was the only thing of Batman that he was credited that right. he had his name credited on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. that whole remember. that part of the documentary just just that was that hit me. That was really good. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah. pretty, pretty, uh, pretty incredible guy. A true, he was a true mm-hmm. artist. I think. Yeah. I think those, those aspect, those small snippets of information that we have about him, mm-hmm. really just speak volumes to his character. I agree, and I think the, um, I wish I I wish Fekas was here for this. <laughs> the real tragedy of it, um, is that his first credit was for Batman v Superman. But anyway, yes, <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah. Like they were showing people buying tickets to the movie. I was like, those people are going to be so disappointed. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Wonder Woman's getting really good buzz. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, is there anything else we can really touch on with the documentary? Um. I don't think so. I'm curious. Excuse me. I'm curious to possibly check out uh, Mark Nobleman's book. Okay, yeah. I think that might be cool. Do you know, is it, I didn't research this before we recorded this, mm-hmm. is the book he wrote, um, is it a comic? I, you know, in I didn't research it either. Okay. Um, but there was a, uh, like they showed part of it in the, in the documentary, I thought. Uh, yeah, it, that's why I asked because it, it looked like a comic. Exactly. Um, and I think it is like a hardcover Mm-hmm. Um, kind of comic book ish kind of thing. It's not like a, a massive tome or anything. Yeah. Um, let me see. Yeah, I mean it's grades three to five. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they did it that way. It's the first picture book written about the co-creator of the comic book character Batman. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I may end up checking that out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to check it out. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, that's Batman and Bill. It's currently on Hulu. Um. Overall, Tiny, what did you, what did you, overall thoughts? I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. These are the kind of sto- stories that I love. I, I love mm-hmm. to see stories like this uh, uh, depicted in the documentary format. Um, and they did a great job with this one. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a really well done documentary that really kind of hits hits you in places you're not expecting with this type of documentary. Because like, like Tiny said, there's stories within stories in it. And it's even though some of it can get kind of, I mean, probably about, two thirds of the or yeah probably about two thirds of the way through it i was kind of i thought that the pacing was just a little bit slow for me Uh at that point but the different components of it um by themselves were were really uh well done and engaging so it was a pretty compelling documentary totes Um, yeah so that's batman and bill it's on hulu and uh let's see Okay, last quick interlude for this episode. Um, We're going to go into the spoiler section for Alien Covenant, so if you want to skip that and go to Potpourri, you just need to jump over to 1 hour, 48 minutes, and 22 seconds. Enjoy. Um, Let's see, and so should we just go right into spoilers? Yeah, might as well. Dive right in there. All right, great. So we're going to head into spoilers for Alien Covenant. I'm going to be playing a clip from the trailer here uh so that'll give you time to skip ahead or skip around or check the timestamps and uh uh skip it if you haven't seen it if you uh don't want to be spoiled go ahead and turn us off and uh or skip the spoiler section and uh come back and listen to it when you do see it so here is here are our spoiler thoughts on alien covenant Michael Fassbender. Holy Christ! So the way, awesome to juggle two characters mm-hmm. that, in in a in a sense, are kind of the same characters, yeah. but so completely different. Mm-hmm. It, it blew my mind. Oh yeah, like the, so great. The the scene where he's just like, "Welcome, brother." I I loved it. Just yeah. it was so subtle. But yeah, just like and it, oh yeah, and I love that it wasn't like. It wasn't necessarily a huge deal, like in that scene, but just like that, like you, because as the audience, you're like expecting some huge, like, right. oh, some oh revelation. My God. Like these yeah. two androids are going to like finally meet. And he's just right. like, welcome, like, brother. Like, yeah. yeah, I know you're here. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Uh, before we get into that, though, how do you feel about the way that they handled how they bridged Prometheus and, and Covenant? And what I say is, how do you feel about David's journey from Prometheus? to covenant and what happened with Shaw. I uh, going into the film, I wanted to see the interaction of David and Dr. Shaw with the engineers. Mm-hmm. What th- transpires ended up being much more satisfying for me. Okay. It, it, it showed the transition of David as a character. Mm-hmm. So like he, he was always kind of secretly conniving in, in yeah. Prometheus, you know, hence, you know, infecting, Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Shaw's husband with yeah. with the uh, with the goo, mm-hmm. and at this point, he just goes full on. I'm gonna just I'm gonna explore creation <laughs> as I want. Yeah, to to hell with this Doctor Shaw. Thanks for mm-hmm. reattaching me in my body, but 
I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so he, for him, I, I love him showing up to the world mm-hmm. and just pretty much he makes it his Petri dish. I'm like, I'm going to kill all you guys. I'm yeah. wiping you out. Like this is him playing God. And I, and I feel like the, the very first scene mm-hmm. between him and Wayland, yeah. that to me sets up everything you need to know about David as a character. Like he, yeah. he he's, he's pretty much saying, Wayland's saying, he's like, hey, look, I made you. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, David asks him, well, what happens when you meet your maker? And you don't really get a response. Right. So, but at this point, he's met his maker. He mm-hmm. knows his maker. He sees how much of a flawed entity he is. Mm-hmm. And so David's like, I can do better. I'm <laughs> going to create now. I'm going to be the creator because I have surpassed my creator. And to me, just even the subtle facial expressions in that scene to me just just show where David's going to go as a character. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Man, that you said it so freaking well. Um, yeah, that's, I, I agree. Like, um, like you said, like when he infects Shaw's husband and Prometheus, it's not out of like a nefarious kind of thing. It's more out of just curiosity and, and yeah, that the expansion of that into this movie where he is like, he's playing God. It's, it's really, it's really remarkable characterization, uh, for me. Um, and yeah, I can't, I don't think I can put it any better than you did. It, it's just, it's interesting. Like he's been alone on this planet and David as an Android, mm-hmm. he's, first of all, it's an, it's an eerie concept to have an Android, an AI lie mm-hmm. because they're not built to lie. No right. one programs their AI to lie, but he does. And he does it so convincingly yeah. to, to the people that he meets. He does it in Prometheus and, and he just fall on full on does it mm-hmm. in in alien covenant and he's like i'm not going to show you all my cards yet mm-hmm. and he's he's very conniving about it like when uh um billy uh crudup's character when he mm-hmm. when he blasts the neomorph and he pisses, yeah. pisses david off yeah and he's like you're gonna show me what you've been doing even then david's like fine i'll show you <laughs> right i'm gonna fuck you up in the process yeah but i got this plan still you're part of my creation now right so it's just doesn't he doesn't he say something like take a take like when he's looking in there he's like take a closer look yeah. it's not gonna hurt you or yeah something. i'm like i'm like don't do yeah. it. what are you doing <laughs> that was one of the like great like moments of the movie for me it was just like i was just like i was in my seat like cringing in anticipation um and just really excited about it and it was played for comedy for me um yeah that was that was a good moment although if Um, if you're the crew your first notion that maybe i should watch this android is when he goes and cuts his hair yeah you might be like what are you doing right uh yeah definitely definitely um the uh, Walter and uh, kind of the other side of, of David essentially. Uh, but Walter as a character having that connection with, Oh my God, I can't remember her name. Um, yeah, no, Watterson. Yeah. Um, Ripley light. <laughs> um, well, I think she did a great job. No, I, th- I, I, I did. Yeah. I agree. I thought I, like the main people that you end up, you know, invested in all did really good jobs. Yeah. Uh, was it Flynn? Daniels? I guess. Yeah. 
uh yeah like that connection between walter and, and daniels was uh pretty good if if a little not forced but um it felt kind of i thought it was interesting yeah. i guess is that's a kind of a non-word though i mean yeah it served it i feel like it was placed there like it was one of the only pieces not only pieces but one of the biggest pieces of like character development that we had for the crew. So like we had Daniels, um, we had Billy Crudup's character, we had Tennessee played by Danny McBride and we had a few others probably that I'm blanking on, um, as characters that were more fully fleshed out. But I feel like the, um, relationship between Daniels and Walter kind of felt more like it was just there to set up the reveal at the end. Which, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I could, if there would have been more background as to why there might be this connection between uh, her yeah. and Walter, then it might've been more satisfying, but mm-hmm. I, I agree that yeah. it was kind of a, a huge setup. Yeah. And that, that kind of twist at the end, um, we're jumping ahead quite a bit, but we'll, we'll backtrack and, and talk more about the movie in specifics, uh, in here in a bit, but while we're circling around it, that reveal at the end that, Oh, it was actually David. And well, you that, knew it was going to be. Yeah. It, there, there was no doubt in yeah. anybody's mind that watched that film that knew it was, no one thought it was Walter. And that's my problem because it's set up as if we should, like it's set up, it should have been, it feels like it was set up to be like a big shocking moment, but like it's crystal clear because yeah. it's set up that uh, it's too, Im- the scene, the final scene between David and Walter where they're fighting it's like it leaves off as a like ambiguous thing. Yeah, very open and very yeah, but it's like clearly there's no way that it would have been that it was that it was uh that it was da- uh, Walter that came back. Like there is no way because of the way that they that they that they handled that scene. Um and on the flip side if they had done it the exact same and it ended up being Walter I would be like, what the fuck? Why yeah. is this yeah, not you, David? You would have thought that that's stupid. Yeah. So like, that's kind of a catch-22 yeah. in that in that respect. Like, I kind of wish that they would have done something, like, made it more ambiguous. Like, made, like hidden that a little bit more. Just so that final scene... Um, like, maybe get an Inception yeah. and where it's like, you still don't know. That would have been cool. Well, ah, that could have been cool, but then I, I like the idea of... I, I like the, I like I where it ended. I don't want it that way. I'm just saying right. that could have been a way. I, yeah. I like knowing the outcome mm-hmm. of it. Uh, yeah. Me and my brother went to go see it together, and he mm-hmm. had, a to me, a better idea as to yes. the reveal of him actually being David. Okay. Because they, they were making such kind of they, – they did a really odd thing with focusing some camera shots and some uh, pieces on the, the nail that she makes a necklace out of. Okay. And when she's fighting David, mm-hmm. and she sticks him in the chin with the nail. Okay. Uh, you show you show him pull the nail out during the fight, but yeah. it kind of would have been a, f- a better reveal if while she's in the pod, he reaches up and takes the nail out. That that would have been damn. That would have been cool. Yeah, Pete, been I, Peter really hit hit that. I think that would have been a, a, a really neat reveal. That would like, been so much. I better. still like the reveal it goes goes mm. with, but the pro. I don't know. It was still it was kind of wonky. It's yeah. Like, hey, hey. By the way, are you helping me build my cabin? Right. Yeah. Fuck you talking about, bitch. Right. And like, uh, like I, I like the way they did it just because it calls back to some of the only character development we had for the true. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like they could have, there are much better like storytelling ways to do that. Like they could have 
made it so that it wasn't so obvious that uh, David took out Walter or like I see I don't yeah. know I mean it's I don't really know tricky. how I don't know how you make it so you don't know yeah. I, I don't know that that that's a hard that's a hard sell because make the, the fight look more like David was beaten and then leave off on a on like Walter leaving but then like kind but, of hint at but you would know. you still have thought though that this is going to end up being a switch it's like I, I feel like there's no way coming away from those two confronting one another. Mm-hmm. There's no way that you're not gonna think they're pulling one. Yeah, and that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think with some with some uh, clever editing, it, it could have been concealed a lot better. Maybe, um, but I still would have been thinking like they're the same goddamn android, right? I mean, at least part of you has to think like this. Could not be what it. I, I don't know. I I feel like it'd been hard to mask that uh, reveal, sure, or to to mask that surprise. Sure, sure. I just wish that they would have tried a little bit harder for my taste. <laughs> um. So yeah. So probably the the most uh uh heart wrenching moment. The most the the. Yeah, the most heart wrenching moment was in was when crew crew member A and crew member B are in the shower <laughs> and they both get killed. Um, no, what did you what did you think of the xenomorph and and all like everything everything about David creating the xenomorphs? The whole fact, the whole thing with David creating xenomorphs to me works perfectly, mm-hmm. especially for his characterization of of creation and playing God. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he is the guy behind the xenomorph. Nice. I I love that they show his experiments Mm and in his little chambers, the, the drawings, the failed, the, uh, the samples. Mm -hmm. I I love that. This is his baby. Like this is, this is all his creation. He couldn't be prouder about it. Mm -hmm. So I love the fact that the xenomorph is, is David's David's creation. It, makes me retroactively appreciate Prometheus more. Yeah. Because Prometheus, I was kind of, I think the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, I kind of expected it to just be like, oh, this is the origin of the xenomorph. And it wasn't, it wasn't a xenomorph at the end, right? I mean, no, but it was close enough. Close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still could have done without that scene. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad, like, I like this origin a lot better than what I expected from Prometheus. Cause like Prometheus, I was thinking like, oh, it's just good. It's just going to be humans go to a planet, mess around with some junk, uh, accidentally create the xenomorph, right, xenomorph yeah. runs, runs rampant and, uh, they're all set. Uh, but this is so much deeper and so much more, uh, it, it, so much more about the mythology of it is that they like this. It's an, a human creation playing God to create an ultimate species in spending 11 years doing yeah. that and sacrificing an uh, entire planet, an entire planet of the, of the beings that created humans. <laughs> um, and then also, you know, murdering his human companion. Um, just shows how you know if a android could be a sociopath. Just 
how yeah. much of a sociopath he really is. He, right. he has no ties to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he resents his creator be, for mm-hmm. not being perfect. Yeah. So now David wants to create the perfect uh, organism. That's that sums that whole character up beautifully. That's yeah. That's actually spot on. Yeah, actually spot on. Like everything else. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Um, no, that is yeah. I agree completely. That's. I, it makes me want to go see the movie again. I, I yeah. Cassie's in Disney for the next two days, and I'm oh, off nice. for the next two days. And I was highly thinking about just going to re- see the nice. movie again. So nice. very well could do that. Yeah. Or I could go see Car- King Arthur. Yeah. 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 Or Baywatch <sighs> coming out. I love The Rock, but come on. I. I'm probably going to see the movie. Well, let me know how it is. Yeah, I will. I will. But Um, as far as Xenomorph goes, though, I thought it had some great scenes. Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought it did a really good job showing the animosity of the Xenomorph, not not once they lifted off the planet, but when he's uh, going after the ship and Dan McGregor. I thought that was a fantastic scene. Oh, yeah. And then the... uh, it jumps to kind of more of an alien atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I thought it still did a great job there. Yeah, like it was, it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. It, even though the shower scene was kind of silly, it was still yeah. a fun kill. Right, it was a good xenomorph kill. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought the uh, climax between Daniels and the xenomorph at the mm-hmm. end was was satisfying. Even yeah. though, come on, let's can we get another way to kill these things besides yeah. <laughs> pushing them out of the spaceship? Yeah. Oh yeah. I yeah, I definitely agree. Um I loved the what I took as being like a callback to aliens where she says like she calls him a son of a bitch. Yeah, that was that was great. Pain, that was be- that was beautiful. Yeah, that was that was nice. I got I got a huge kick out yeah. of that. Um Yeah, I mean just the the violence was just satisfying to me. Yeah. It was really satisfying. I love how the neomorph is produced. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really neat. Not not so much of a chestbuster scene, mm-hmm. but a uh, the backburster. Yeah, that yeah. I, I, that was really that neat. was cool. That was cool. Yeah, and the the whole like quarantine thing and and how like that whole scene played out. I thought that was that was really intense. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was really cool. And uh, seeing the seeing the the like little thing scurrying around like that. Ugh, yeah, right. That just that gets so under my skin in the in the best way. Got under their skin too. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and yeah. the the, uh, the neomorph scene between David and Neomorph, I thought I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And just you you have to wonder is the neomorph aware that he's not an organism? Is it somehow aware that I don't know. I don't think it'd be aware that he had some sort something to do with creation. But why is this neomorph not uh, automatically attacking David? Right. It. Uh. Yeah. That was a really interesting. Um. I don't know if I. Uh, I don't know if I would say it was a good mirror to the opening scene with with David and and uh, and Waylon, because um, it was like creator meeting creation, right, creation yeah. meeting creator. But I. I like. Okay, so I like the concept of of him like having like this connection with like being able to not necessarily control them, but like having this like there's, not being destroyed by right. it. There, there's um, at least some sort of recognition between the two. Yeah, maybe it, maybe not that the neomorph would just you know obey his command, but yeah. at least 
has a somewhat curiosity. Yeah, and I like that. That was I liked the brevity of that because like that's that's not to show like an evolution of the of the alien species or anything or the evolution of of their um uh their their thought process or their brain functions or anything. It's to kind of just bring us into the the face hugger thing and and yeah. bring us into uh what david's really been up to and i appreciate that because they could have done a lot more that's like they like they could have they could have gone more off the deep end with that but they restrained themselves with with that and i really appreciated that yeah yeah and i liked when billy crudup just blasted the thing and yeah that was awesome yeah yeah uh, let's see. Did they kill both neomorphs, or was one still running around in there? Because I feel like there was, because two two were produced. Uh, I I remember them only killing the one. They killed the one. In yeah, I can't I can't keep track of how many like how many there were. Um, there was definitely two, and I feel like when they get to the temple, I, I feel like there were two that were headed towards the temple. Well, I had to go see it again. Yeah. All the more reason to go see right? again yeah. and keep track, and you can report back. I I shall and report all. back. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Are there uh any other aspects you want to talk about? I want to talk about Danny McBride's scene. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So Danny McBride has a scene where he finds out that his wife is dead, mm-hmm. and you don't expect it out of Danny McBride, but right. he gives an amazingly emotional scene there absolutely and it's not even like a scene where there's a much dialogue Mm -hmm. it's more of him just silently performing the realization that his wife is gone Mm -hmm. it could have been such a it could it could have totally been a hey look at me i'm a i'm a comedic actor let uh Watch me do this really emotional scene with this really profound dialogue and stuff. Like it could have been like a huge acting scene, right. <laughs> acting, but, acting. <laughs> but like it was so subdued and so raw and just so emotional. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, I just he's got chops apparently, yeah. and oh, yeah. I I would love to see what he's gonna if he's gonna take more dramatic roles as well. And me and too. I've come from a guy that loves his comedic roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knocked it out of the park. He really did. And uh and that's one of the things that I one of the other reasons why I was kind of disappointed with the lack of crew development is that they're all couples. They're they're all paired up and everything. I kinda wish that there was more to that. Like I wish that there was more development because you have this emotional thing between so many different characters. Right. Like I think a good 15 minutes could have been added to the start, kind of maybe showing on Earth mm-hmm. pre pre cryo cryo in the in the flight, mm-hmm. and then maybe a little bit more. But I, I feel like just a little bit more exposition with the with the couples yeah. and the crew could have done wonders for for the emotional attachment. Absolutely. But, um, Unfortunately, we didn't get it. Yeah. They jumped pretty quickly into uh into the action. Yeah. Which I I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm like James Franco really really lit the fire there. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So James Franco, he's in this movie <laughs> as like, a burnt corpse. <laughs> as a burnt corpse. I didn't even I, like I didn't even recognize it as him when he's in the pod until well, until like, they show. I knew it was him because I'd seen the uh the pre-scene uh, preview. Right. So I knew it was him. It's just, it's so weird that you would hire an actor like James Franco for a five-minute preview scene yeah. and then to die in a fiery yeah. tube. Uh, yeah. 
a five minute pre uh, preview scene, him dying in a fire, and then what amounts to like a little uh, homemade like a sequel YouTube. to 127 yeah. hours, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, or I guess prequel in that case, yeah, right, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so it's so bizarre. That's why I said I wonder if he's meant to be. Uh, but how would? They but do I don't that? know how. Yeah, I they mean, can't. he's he's had no interaction or yeah. knowledge of anything that has. Huh. Yeah, and I and I did like the Billy Crudup character. How he, you know, he's the not reluctant hero, but like reluctant captain. Yeah, I did like, too. I'd appreciate I liked that. that. And I liked the divide that was felt between the crew and him. And I, I, I appreciated that. Um, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm being too harsh on it by saying that there's not enough character development with the crew, but I, well, I appreciated what they did. But there's there, you're right though. There's not, there could have been more like the character mm-hmm. development we did have was good. Mm-hmm. It's just, we needed more. Yeah. Like there, there was characters that I I still don't I can barely remember what they look like. Right. Yeah. I know that they died. Mm-hmm. Um. I know that there was a Hispanic guy that was kind of like the assault leader. With, oh with the yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Totally I just, forgot about him. So yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the biggest flaw of the movie. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But you know what I really appreciated though is how slowly they revealed what actually happened yeah. with the with the uh, Prometheus crew mm-hmm. cuz uh, you know you get this kind of shoddy answer from David at the beginning then you kind of get a little bit more reveal and then you get mm-hmm. uh, you then you see what happens and right. then you find the outcome of shot I I love the slow build up to the truth Me too I definitely liked that and I liked that maybe I'm reaching and maybe I'm looking maybe I'm looking for this reference rather than it being a conscious reference but I kind of feel like you could kind of read the uh, his initial um, remarks about it because I think he's – did he say that Shaw died on the way there? Or? She uh, – on, on like a crash landing. Thing. Okay, on the crash But yeah, landing. You, know, you know that's not true. Right. Yeah, you know that's not true but a little part of you, if you go in with the right mindset, you think of like um, Newt and Michael Bean in Alien 3. Yeah, yeah. Like it kind of feels like kind of that. I don't know if that – I have – I don't believe that that's a conscious nod or, or no, I don't think it is, either, but, but it's, yeah. it's kind of fun if you kind of read it that way. Um, but I do agree the way that that was slowly revealed to us was, uh, was really, really spectacular for me. I thought that cause when it, when you get the full, um, breadth of what, or the, the full idea of what he's been doing and what's happened to Shaw and to what's happening and, uh, what's happening there with him? It's like that's that's really impactful and really strong, yeah. Uh, narratively, um, yeah. And then, are we running out of things? What about the ending? How do you feel about David? You know, uh, I think that's a extremely fun, ambiguous ending. Yeah, I, I love how he has smuggled the uh, the embryos, the embryos on yeah. board. I think that's spectacular. That that was really um, cool. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious where the ship is going. Is he mm-hmm. taking it back to Earth? Because you really feel like he's got this disdain for humanity. Yeah. Or is he taking it to Oragai Six with mm-hmm. the knowledge that he's now got an entire colony of petri dishes? Yeah. Oh yeah. So I, I don't I don't know. So yeah. I, I I don't know where he's gonna go. I I just want to know how they end up on how how the. Uh, the ship ends up on LV four two six. Yeah, I do too. That's that's what I want to know. That's right? that's because it's like, just tell me, just yeah. tell me, Ridley. Prometheus was such a tease with right? that. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, and it's interesting. I, I would be interesting. I mean, that's probably what he's doing because it's just fascinating to me to think that I don't, th- I doubt that they'll do a whole movie where it's him on a planet with the whole colonists and then no, killing I, them off. But. I, it, it'll probably be something where, you know, you're kind of surprised to where it went. Were you surprised yeah. of how the movie came, like came out, came about uh, or were you expecting kind of that? Cause I wasn't expecting that much of a continuation for Prometheus. I, I wasn't, I was not expecting that. I kind of thought that it would be a little bit more of a jump. Um, and it would be more, I wasn't, I, okay. So I was, I was expecting them to talk about the Prometheus crew and, and, uh, reveal some things about it. I did not know that like David would be central to the story and I didn't know that yeah. that's how it was going to all unfold. I kind of thought it would be, if anything, I thought that, uh, the Prometheus story would have like a little bit of closure, but it'd be kind of like a, um, kind of like a, oh, hey, this is what's going on. This is what happened. Now let's look at these these covenant people and yeah. and kill them. I thought off. they were going to gloss over it. Yeah, and I really thought they were going to gloss over it because, like, a week before the movie released, they released the scene where David kills the engineers. Yeah, I and, and I, I thought that, that yeah. was going to be their explanation. I, I thought they were going to be like, well, David got here. He resents the fact that the engineers have killed Shaw, or Shaw's mm-hmm. now dead, or something, and he or he's upset on behalf of Shaw that their intention was to kill the human. So he's like, screw you. I'm going to kill you guys. And that that was going to be the explanation. And that's interesting because my read on that, when I saw that scene was that I was, I kind of went from thinking that, Oh, we're not going to get anything about Prometheus. It's going to be its own standalone thing. Cause honestly, I kind of, I had a somewhat of a cynical viewpoint of it thinking that, okay, well, Prometheus wasn't as well received. So maybe they're just going to soft reboot it. And do because they're adding Alien to the title. Right, yeah. there's going to be a whole new cast and everything. Like that, like I don't, I didn't see. Um, then I, I assume that it was be, it would just be completely disconnected from it. But I'm, I appreciate that it was connected to it. But when I saw that scene, um, it's funny because I saw that and I thought, oh, okay, we are going to get closure on that. See, we I, are going to be. I thought that was it. I thought that was what you're going to get, and we're moving on. Interesting. In fact, huh. when we were in the movie, uh. With the scene with David and Wayland, I mm-hmm. thought David's gone. David's no more David. Oh wow! So I I did not expect David or Shaw to show back up in the movie. Interesting, nice. So, uh, and it was really satisfying. Yeah. yeah. And what I what I told Peter is, I went in there not thinking I was going to get the movie that I wanted. Walked mm. out getting the movie that I wanted. Yeah. So it's, I was it was a huge pleasant surprise to me. So. Nice. Nice. And yeah, I mean, I guess we can kind of wrap it up here a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, before, uh, yeah, uh, kind of closing thoughts. I, I really liked it. Kind of talking it out more. I get more of an, impre- uh, an appreciation of it. So I think I'll, I'll probably like it more, uh, the second time I see it. And, uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to whatever will come next. Hopefully. God, I, just, I, I, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully when I saw that 30, 30- like at first I was excited because I saw it knocked out uh, Guardians, right? And then I saw how it did, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, come on, China." Yeah. So I I don't know I I don't remember how well Prometheus did. Yeah, I don't either. I I want to say it didn't do overwhelmingly well. Um, that sounds right because I mean, like we said, I mean it wasn't. Yeah, because yeah, it it wasn't a critic's dream, right? Okay, so <laughs> perfect. Um, oh yikes! 
Okay, Alien Covenant versus Prometheus. So Alien Covenant had a four-day total um, of 39, uh, 39 million. 39,000. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, 39 million, uh, 400 and change. Uh, Prometheus had a four-day total of 56 million. I mean, I, I feel like 56 million would still be a disappointment, but mm-hmm. 40 million is still not great, obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, I really, um, I, I really hope that it it gets the money that it needs. Me uh, too, because I really feel like this is a passion project for for Ridley Scott. Me too, so. and and I hope maybe he has enough, maybe enough weight to throw around that he can get another one made. You know, it might all come to, uh, well, maybe maybe I was gonna say it might have something to do with Blade Runner, but Blade Runner probably won't have anything. To do yeah, with yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but um. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we get something. Where would you want the Prometheus franchise or the prequel? <laughs> How would you like the prequel <laughs> franchise to go? Oh, really? Need some Jar Jar in there? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, at this point, I don't know because um, mm-hmm. you kind i kind of got the answers I wanted. I don't, well, did I though? I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I kind of want the engineers to come back in some way, shape, or form because I okay. still, I still want to talk to these engineers. Yeah. Oh, Are yeah. they all dead? They can't be all dead. Right. If they're a society that has, uh, you know, put bases on different planets, there's, there's mm-hmm. got to be some out there still. So, <laughs> I just, I just imagine the, just one engineer. <laughs> Coming back to that planet and be like, okay, well, I'm back from grocery shopping. Wait, what the fuck just happened? Dude? Where is everybody? Pe- Pe- Peggy? <laughs> Peggy? No, I, uh, so I, I honestly, I don't know where I want it to go at this point mm. because I'm just, I'm just so happy with where this movie went. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm very curious to see. I, I really hope that Ridley Scott gets his multiple sequels that lead into his actual quote was something like that gets right into the rear end of alien. You know what? For fuck's Um, sake, if, if Michael Bay can get 14 freaking sequels to transformers, give us this. Exactly. Give us this Fox. God, seriously. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't tell you off the top of my head, a movie like a big budget, summer movie that i am that i've been least or less interested in than transformers pirates the yeah yeah transformers uh the last night and pirates five yeah like, uh, honestly i just and you know me i've i was a staunch defender of the transformers one mm-hmm. one and three kind of two not so much two but definitely sure. one and three I, I get a lot of joy from those two movies i, I love mm-hmm. them but man extinction was just terrible that's what i've heard and i just i don't want to see this next one yeah so i i fell asleep halfway through the second one and i've never looked back because uh i just i just have no interest and that's fair i i still think that three is a strong film Mm -hmm. and one is a fun film so i just you know yeah teach their own it's it it is what it is giant robots fighting blowing each other up um you know it's not gonna win any oscar outside of a Special effects Oscar. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, um, and pirates, man. I just I couldn't care less about pirates. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm shocked that there's a that it's, it's the fifth movie. Yeah, like that's just. Did you see the fourth one? I never did because I again I I did I, I had no interest. I honestly couldn't tell you a thing about it. Wow, I've seen I've seen it. Huh. I couldn't tell you a thing about it. Yeah, it was so forgettable, Jeez. which is a shame 
because Ian McShane was in it, and I love Ian okay. McShane. Hmm. Ian McShane, but I can't tell you about his performance. I know he played Blackbeard. Jeez. I can't remember if I enjoyed it. That's kind of the same way with me and the third one, even because like I watched, I love the first. The first one, oh, the first one, remarkable. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, the second one was a little. The problem is, they, yeah. the second and third one get so long winded. They do, yeah, and and they made them. I don't know if they made them back to back or they. I think I think they, I think they did. Yeah, and yeah. it got like, I don't know. It would have been better if it was second one was a standalone movie that just was a a traditional sequel. But no, they had to kind of bring it into the a trilogy. Yeah, and now it's, I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so that's our review of Alien. <laughs> yeah. Um Please go see it. Yeah, get the numbers yeah, up, guys. Seriously, because we need we need more of Ridley Scott doing Alien movies. But uh, or you can save your money and and see the Dark Tower in August. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a huge hit. I'll tell you what. It's and gonna I, be a I, massive hit. I don't mean to. I don't. I'm not saying this because I like to give you shit for the movie, but it's gonna be. I have very little. It's gonna little be, enthusiasm for it. It's gonna be such a huge hit. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna do. Hey, it's gonna hey, be, Matt. It's gonna be great. You still have the books. I do. I do still have the books. Yeah. It's it's actually yeah. I I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, I am going to force you to watch it so you can I'll, come on and I'll see it. it. I'll yeah. see it. It's just, I'm not, you're not excited. Not excited you don't have, yeah, you're not excited. I get that. That's fine. Tiny. We have like 15 minutes before Fekus comes over. Mm-hmm. So do you want to just do some potpourri? Sure. Okay. So yeah, so this is potpourri. It's a section of the podcast where we talk about, uh, stuff we've been watching, things that we're looking forward to, whatever we want, as long as it smells good. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of our tagline for potpourri. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with mine, but first I just want to mention that I have been uh, on my – I have my Solo Side Project podcast anthology that I'm doing bonus reviews for the Hulu series Dimension 404. Um, I've recorded two episodes of that bonus review series, and it's really interesting – to uh to go check those out over at anthologypod.com and check out that show. It's interesting cuz the first episode I enjoyed, the second one I was a little mixed on. Um so uh, actually the review is pretty short cuz I didn't have much to say about it, but um but yeah, I recommend going and checking that out um over on anthologypod.com. Also, uh for the main reviews I reviewed um Season two, episode two of the Twilight Zone, the man in the bottle. And the bonus review for that was an episode of, uh, the X-Files, Tiny. Nice. Yeah. It was, uh, do you remember the episode, uh, Je Suet? Um, it's about a, basically a genie in a bottle episode, granting people three witches. No, I don't remember that. Okay. This was like a late series one. It was from season seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever got that far. Oh, okay. Well, it was written and directed by, uh, uh, Vince Gilligan. Nice. I knew yeah. he was involved with the X-Files. Oh, yeah. And if you... All I'll say is that if you want to hear me make myself almost vomit, <laughs> um, go listen to that episode because there is something, and I'm going to bring it up now, and I'm gonna, it's going to make me nauseous. Um, kind of the opening thing for that episode of the, of the X-Files is uh, this guy gets, like, a genie tells him to make a wish or what have you. So he wishes that his boss would shut up. And so it's just like this, 
this patch of skin covers the boss's mouth so he can't talk or anything. Mm. Like his mouth disappears. And then there's one scene where he is at like he's talking to Mulder, the the boss, and like it's months later and he's had a mouth like surgically Ooh. like cut so that he can talk and it's well it's just it's really disgusting. It's only one scene, but oh god. That sounds pretty gross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, that wasn't my potpourri. <laughs> that was just my plug for Anthology. Yeah. Uh, check that out at anthologypod.com. Uh, Tiny, do you have your potpourri, and then I'll do my actual one? Sure. Um, okay. I watched uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, okay. Finally. Yeah. Um, I was late to the party on it. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I missed the I missed the train to Hogwarts on that one. Duh. I don't know. I was going for a pun. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, I couldn't think of a pun quick enough. Sure. Um, I, I ended up enjoying the movie quite a bit. Nice. Um, I, I'm a sucker for Colin Farrell. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I think, I think they could have used him a little bit better in this movie. Um, I feel like, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, the main guy. Um, I can't think of the actor's name. Oh, um, which is bad. Oh wow! Why can't I think Eddie Redmayne? Eddie Redmayne, yeah. Um, I understood about half what he said. <laughs> he was very mum. He just mumbled. Sure. Like it's not the accent. It's just he mumbled, and I was yeah. like, "What? What? What'd you say there, buddy?" <laughs> um, and I get that he's a, he's an internal kind of reclusive sort of character, so sure, he's not a super social guy. So I, I get that, mm-hmm. but I think you can do that and still have the guy speak clearly, right? Um. But he, you know, he was he was good. I, I I enjoyed his performance. But um, man, I really loved uh Dan Fogel. Me too. He was so enjoyable in mm-hmm. the movie. I I loved his performance. Um, and and his story throughout the throughout this movie was just really, really touching. And and I, I love how, how much Muggles. Uh, are like incorporated into the story and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's it's cool to see that that moved into the be more at the forefront of, of the Harry Potter universe. Um, the whole U S magic government thing mm-hmm. I thought was a little, uh, I had a hard time connecting to it, I guess. Sure. Just cause I'm so used to the, you know, all the terminology that the muggle terminology and the, mm-hmm. um, the, the British, uh, the British government, magic government. I don't even remember what it's all called. Ministry, of ministry magic. of magic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that all just I was so used to that and I think it mm-hmm. had it was very grandiose in the in the the books and the movies and, and so to to switch over to the US one just kind of threw me and it's it's so unromantic, like it's very <laughs> it's very um legal. It's all it's like mm-hmm. very J. Edgar Hooverish, which makes sense. Yeah. But it's just so it's it was so um what's the word I'm trying to think of? So like uh so much legalese, legalese. Yeah. like it wasn't. It wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. It it just it kind of lacked a lot of spirit. I think. Right. Feckus was on to review that with me because you because you didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I think, and uh, I think I think what we came to an agreement on was that it was very unimaginative. Yes. Like if they're not muggles. They're no mages. Right. Like because they're not magical people. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's very. And like I think I I posited that maybe that's a commentary on Americans and how yeah. <laughs> how unimaginative we are as a culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved the. I also just had to comment really quickly on the uh, 
the worlds essentially that uh, he created inside his briefcase. Oh yeah, that whole concept and just the way it was visually representative was so awesome. Mm-hmm. One of my probably one of my favorite visual aspects of the entire Harry Potter universe. I think. Okay. Um, I haven't read the book. There is. I don't know if it's necessarily a book. There is a book yeah. called Fantastic Beasts Where to Find Them, right? Yeah, but it's not like a But it's a not novel. a narrative. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was anything in the book that right. that influenced the movie, really, to that degree. Mm-hmm. A story, anyways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that was so cool. And mm-hmm. they did a great job with that. I, I really loved that. So there was a lot of there were a lot of enjoyable things about about the movie. Um and some not so enjoyable. Yeah. But uh I, I think it fit into the universe pretty well and I think it was a good a, a pretty a pretty solid start to a potential wider Harry Potter universe that's nice. outside Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How like how do you feel about the idea of there being sequels and many many sequels? I'm I'm completely open to it. Okay. Completely nice. open to it. Yeah, and it, they set it up pretty hardcore at the mm-hmm. end there. Um, yeah. And that's fine. I th- I think as long as they build, as long as they build on it and it's not just a cash grab and right. everyone who's involved really wants to do it and mm-hmm. that you know, classic reasons. Right. <laughs> did you hear that Jude Law is going to play a young Dumbledore? I did not. That's Dumbledore, if you will. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, that's interesting casting. It is. It is. I mean, I'll I'll wait. I'll I'll kind of yeah. w- withhold my thoughts on that. Or I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. Same Z's. Yeah. Um, okay, so Fecus is not here yet. So I'm going to go ahead and round us out with my potpourri. Sure. Um, so I watched a movie, uh, this little like independent movie, I think from, uh, on Netflix, it's called a case of you. Have you seen that or seen it? I feel like I've heard the title, but I have not seen it. Okay. So according to the IMDb summary, um, it's about a young writer tries to impress a girl he meets online with an embellished profile, but he finds himself in a real mess when she falls for him and he has to keep up the act. That's somewhat of a misnomer. Um, uh, basically it's, it's about Justin Long, uh, developing a crush on a barista and then him basically Facebook stalking her and then... Is it Evan Rachel Wood? Yeah. I think I may have seen that. Okay. Yeah. Um, the cast is pretty amazing. It's Justin Long, Keira O'Donnell, Evan Rachel Wood. Um, those are kind of the main ones, but also like so many other people make appearances like Sienna Miller's in it for a scene. There's Peter Dinklage, Busy Phillips, Sam Rockwell, Vince Vaughn. Um, no, that's pretty much all the noticeable ones. Well, that's a hell of a cat. Yeah. Oh, oh, Brendan Fraser pops up <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's a really interesting movie to watch because it's like all these people are popping up out of nowhere. Um, and it's interesting to note that the movie is written by Justin Long, his brother Christian, and uh, Keir O'Donnell. Interesting. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting there. Um, the movie itself is, you know, it's kind of a... I just came away from it thinking, like, it's just okay. Yeah. Um, it 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 kind of got a little real <laughs> at some points. Like, it kind of got a little serious. Um Maybe not as serious as it should have, but there's like one particular scene that's really pretty amazing because it kind of deals with Justin Long's character, um, kind of dealing with his neuroses, um, and it's coming out in a way that's that's kind of negatively that's that's kind of hurting emotionally 
Evan Rachel Wood. And it's interesting the way that it develops because it's like he can't control it at all. But um, up until that point, it's just the whole movie. I'm thinking like, I don't know how I can root for how I can root for Justin Long because <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's, it's not so much creepy that he, and I don't know what this says about me, but <laughs> it's not so much creepy that he Facebook stalked her to learn about her and everything. What's creepy is that he creepy and, and something that I couldn't get on board with for the character was that he was not only Facebook stalking her, but he would basically, um, see something on her Facebook page and then basically put himself in that position or, or, uh, he would take an interest in what she had an interest in. And it was just this, the whole movie is like his assimilation to her, um, personality as displayed on the Facebook page. So like she posts something about judo and so he takes a judo lesson. Uh, she says something about cooking something and he takes a culinary class. Yeah. Uh, she likes, uh, the origin of species. Um, so he has a copy of the book in his apartment. Um, and just all of these things. Oh, and like, uh, <laughs> oh, and like, uh, she's like, there's nothing better than a guy who plays guitar. So he takes a guitar lesson. <laughs> um, and it's just this whole thing and th- it becomes, it becomes, and maybe this is the point of the movie, but it becomes, something that's not endearing to the character, but it's something that's more him putting himself into a hole because when he, um, gets into a situation where he is interacting with her, um, and using all of this knowledge that he has about her, uh, she is, as the plot description says, falling in love with this version of him that is, uh, tailor made for her interests. And it's just something that's, it didn't sit right with me. And then the resolution of it, I feel like it didn't really go a pl- go into a place where I wanted it to go. Cause honestly, I, j- I just wanted him to fall. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to come up in sending and I didn't get that. And that was disappointing, but the performances were really good. And there were some really, really nice pieces of, of, uh, of comedy sprinkled throughout it. Like, it's just it's like little um non sequiturs like justin long is walking into a building and he sees this guy on the stoop so he he's uh, holding a cup so he hands him a dollar and then the guy just looks up at him and is like what are you doing and then he's like i thought and he's like did you think i was homeless um and the guy looks homeless and then the guy's cell phone rings and he answers it and he carries on a conversation just like little bits like that are just sprinkled throughout it that are pretty funny yeah um and then yeah it was just uh it it wasn't a bad way to waste an hour and a half. I thought it was just fine, but um, watch it for the performances and and the chemistry between uh, Evan Rachel Wood and um, uh, Justin Long because they're pretty good. I thought the same thing. I thought it was um, a little formulaic and it kind of uh, formulaic in the respect that it was it was like an Adam Sandler rom com that had been dressed up a little bit. Sure, I can with I better can actors too. See that yeah, I mean it's ridiculous that the guy is. It's a ridiculous notion. It's an mm-hmm. Adam Sandler notion that you're pretending to be someone else so you can date a girl. That's, yeah. You know. That's that's fair. I think that might be a little harsh, but yeah. also I think that Adam Sandler is the devil. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's a little harsh, but still yeah. that's kind but of But no, I definitely I see what you mean. It's yeah. The log line of it seems Sandler-esque. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I do want to mention... Real quick, I just need to find the title of it. There was a, a movie that I saw a couple years ago at Heartland that had a similar premise, somewhat similar premise that I really enjoyed. Um, 
that I want to bring up here because I just, man, that movie was great. Uh, the movie is called Keep in Touch. I talked about it in uh, the How I Met Your Mother. Or, wow. Heartland Film Festival. <laughs> Why did I say How I Met Your Mother? Um, in our Heartland uh, Film Festival 2015 episode, I also interviewed uh, one of the producers and, and co-stars of the movie. But uh, the plot description is, after a life crisis, Colin tracks down a forgotten childhood romance in, search, in a search to restart his life. Um, that premise, like basically the movie is about him discovering that his childhood love um, had had died and uh so he basically stumbles upon the facebook um profile of of her sister and he kind of gets this connection with her with her sister um and it's just it's a really really well done um movie it's called keep in touch i don't know if it's available anywhere it might be available on amazon video to rent um and google play and stuff like that i don't know if it's streaming anywhere but i highly recommend checking it out cuz that's that's a really good movie cool yeah and uh let's see i think that's gonna just about do it for us then yep um feckers will be here soon to review alien covenant which i'll probably cut at the beginning of this episode rendering this whole convert part of the episode uh completely pointless but um tiny what are we gonna talk about next week we're going to talk about pets in movies or pet movies or our yes. favorite pets in movies. Yes. Because we have pets. We do. Finally. Yes. Tiny actually, Tiny drove to Illinois to get a dog so that yeah. we could review pet movies. Worth it. On the podcast. Like, Worth it. Yes. So <laughs> we're going to talk, we're going to talk pet movies. We're going to talk pizza rolls. We're going to talk gizmos. It's going to be a great episode, guys. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Tiny's dog's name is Gizmo. I don't know if we said that before. Oh, yeah. Gizmo. Um, yeah. And then finally, and I may, oh, Tiny. Yeah. In the lead up to this, oh, man. Okay. I'm going to post a poll on the Facebook page mm -hmm. because now that you got Gizmo, friend of the show, Matt and Draco, who I just realized I didn't complete this thought because we got sidetracked talking about his, his new baby. Um, congrats again. Um, <laughs> he had sent me a message. After you got Gizmo saying, looks like pizza has some competition for the mascot of the podcast. Uh. So if you haven't already, join the Facebook group and vote in that poll. Do you think the mascot of the obsessive viewer, the official mascot of the obsessive viewer podcast, do you think it should be the cutest cat in the entire world? Pizza roll hurt hyphen Lawrence. <laughs> Or this little shih tzu named Gizmo. The cutest uh, so, puppy in the world. Uh, he's, he's, he's all right. Oh, uh, no, it is. I, I seriously, I can't get a, I can't get enough of the picture of with where Paige is holding him, and it just like his mouth is open. It just looks like, like, yeah. It looks like he's thinking, like, oh my god, guys, I just got, I just got adopted. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Anyway, so vote on Facebook on our Facebook group, and uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And if there's nothing else. Have a great one. I always, that's how I end phone calls. Yeah. I work. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. You're not excited. excited you don't have, for it. yeah, you're not excited. I get that. That's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. That's, that's fine. Just, it, fine. let me ask you this. Yes. Does Jake come back after the first book? Oh, um, spoilers for the dark tower series uh yes and the third book okay yeah 
the uh, the shot in the trailer that um, shows him looking at that at that house and then inside the house where the portal is uh-huh. that's from the thir- that's the third book that's okay. him going back to midworld um which in the movie that's him going into mid but it's an adaptation it's fine yeah it's not um, yeah 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 um but yeah it'll 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 be interesting um so yeah please go see the dark tower in august 4th <laughs> i don't i don't i'll i'll pay you to go see it um, oh, you can pay me people to go see movies, but you can't go to Vegas, huh? Well, <laughs> that's actually the reason why I can't go to Vegas. I'm spending $600 getting 60 tickets to the Dark Tower. <laughs> it's going to make such a difference. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. That's... I feel like the Dark Tower would have been better served in the Game of Thrones type format. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would. I had like we actually me and Tiny had posts on obsessiveviewer.com from like years ago, like probably 6 7 years ago after we read the books for the first time where we each did Oh yeah, wow. No, this was probably Oh, this is probably No, not 6 or 7 years ago cuz the blog was up 3 or 4 years ago. Uh it was like right around the time that Under the Dome was premiering and so we were super excited about that. Little did we know. <laughs> um, so we did a uh, Stephen King week on the blog and um, it fell on like the week of June something, but on the 19th, which the number 19 has um, some significance in the Dark Tower series. Um, so like if you notice, like the all the promotional material, all like the tra- not the trailer, but like all of the little posters and little things that Stephen King has shared on his page, like those all fall on the nineteenth of the month uh. for the last several months. Um, so anyway, um, we did like we each did a separate blog post that was like how we would adapt the Dark Tower, <laughs> and like yeah, that's funny. Yeah, like well, someone didn't read your blog. No, no, they sure didn't. Like. <laughs> It would have been perfect if, like, HBO bought the rights, adapted The Gunslinger as a, as an HBO original movie to be, like, a pilot episode for a series that, like, each season would be, oh, and I had flashbacks. It would be structured like Lost, where, because the fourth book of the series is pretty much all a flashback to Roland as a teenager, and, like, each each season would Man, I tell that story. Man, I gotta read the rest of these books. Oh, they're so good. They go, they go into so like, even if they did like a straight adaptation and they did something like they a tradi- more traditional adaptation, that series is so fucking weird that I don't know if movie th- movie audiences would go for it. Yeah, like it, it would almost I, have to be like a an HBO type film. Yeah, and even that, like or if you look film, at series. series, yeah, like if they did the Game of Thrones Thrones treatment, like Game of Thrones. It's it's incredible. It's like massive. It's got like it's incredible, and that's such a great format for it. But it's also, I mean, it's fairly straightforward fantasy. Yeah. Um, and they even kind of held back on the they slowly unfurl the like more magical elements to it. And stuff. say they still haven't thrown down some of the bigger reveals. Like, oh uh, really, lady? Oh, I'm not gonna. You haven't read the books, have you? No, I stopped it book three okay was lady stoneheart in book three um i don't remember it's been so long you know who that is no okay okay i don't Um, think they're gonna put her in the series but okay Hmm. 
but yeah, it's yeah. So I don't know. At least, at least I have my books. You have your books, and at least I'll have at least one movie. <laughs> yeah, even if it's garbage, I'll still see it. I'm, I'm not saying it's gonna be garbage. It, yeah, to me, it just looks like it's it looks like a summer spectacle film. And yeah, it's just not the it's not the vibe I got from the the gunslinger. <laughs> Which. So. Yeah, and did you listen to our uh, trailer episode? I did. Oh, nice. I did. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, and like I said in that episode, it's that's also probably due to Stephen King because he writes his books kind of not stream of conscience, but he he doesn't he doesn't J.K. Rowling it. He didn't have the entire story set out from the word go. Right. Like man. he wrote it when he was nineteen. By the time the last three books come out, he cranked out the last three books in a two to three year time span after he had his accident because he was afraid that he was going to die before he could finish it. Hmm. Um, How many books are there? Seven with an eighth that takes place between four and five. The eighth one I haven't actually read yet. I'm saving that for after I reread the the seventh book. Gotcha. Um, But yeah. Then then Marvel has a whole comic series that kind of goes goes through the books. I think they're on book two now, but yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a thing. It's amazing. It's a thing. Thank you for listening to the obsessive viewer presented by obsessiveviewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The obsessive viewers theme song is an eclipse of events and is provided by loud like from their EP mistakes. We must make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer at obsessive tiny and at I am Mike white. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.